Welcome to 68th Street. And that's the other variable that I wanted to mention before, is that if there was a Colin Kaepernick-type player uh, being blackballed from the NBA, Adams, Adam Silver, there's no doubt in my mind, to call a team owner and say, you need to sign this person. This is making the league look racist and backward and punitive. Uh, the, the NFL, Roger Goodell, just doesn't have that power. Hello, everyone. This is Inflection Point with Dr. Kwame Ajiman, where I interview working professionals to explore turning points or significant events in their careers that resulted in important change. We unpack their stories, including successes, failures, and everything in between. For our initial episode of Inflection Point, I wanted to focus on an organization I'm very familiar with, the NFL. Obviously, the NFL has encountered a number of inflection points in recent years, kneeling during the playing of the national anthem being one of them. So I reached out to Dave Zyron from The Nation magazine to garner his thoughts on these critical moments the NFL has experienced. He writes about a number of issues concerning the NFL and other sports, so I figured he'd be a great person to have this conversation with. We discuss Colin Kaepernick and other current players such as Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, and Tom Brady. We also chat about the responsibility of white NFL players to protest racial injustice and the dearth of black head coaches. GMs, another senior positions, among others. Here's my conversation with Dave. So, uh, want to get you know, quick to the point. I know your time is valuable, but um, first, you know, thank you for taking the time to join me today. Um, I want to use our time together to kind of discuss um, an entity you've written extensively about, written about the NFL. So, for instance, you know, Goodell, Kaepernick, Mahomes, you know, white athletes. Um, so, for instance, the first thing I want to kind of get your opinion on is, you know, many of us are aware that the NFL, um, the commissioner, um, they recently admitted that they messed up in how they handled player protests and, and whatnot um, initiated by, you know, former San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick. So whenever you watch that video, what were your initial thoughts um, about that admission? Well... Like you said, he didn't mention Colin Kaepernick, so this statement still has a way to go, and the NFL still has a way to go. But when I first saw the statement, I thought, wow, the video that was made by the players really did have an impact. Uh, just the previous day, a group of players, including Patrick Mahomes, the most high-profile quarterback arguably in the game right now, second maybe to only people like Tom Brady and Drew Brees, but certainly the, the most high-profile young quarterback in the game, they made this video where they called the NFL for stifling protests. They called out the NFL for the NFL and Roger Goodell's tepid statement, which uh, they put out the previous week. Uh, they called out the NFL for not doing enough. So when I saw Roger Goodell's statement, my response was, wow, he's really concerned about a full-scale player's revolt for him to say something like this. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, I noticed that you know, many people have noticed that he did not mention, you know, Colin Kaepernick in that admission. Do you think that was uh, purposeful or, you know, what did you make of that? I think every last word in that statement was purposeful. I think it was it was gone over by uh, public relations officials and executives. I mean, the NFL is a multi, multi-billion dollar global corporation. They're not just going to put out a statement like this without... Uh, looking it over and breaking it down to its last compound. And I'm sure there was a debate about, do we mention Colin Kaepernick's name? And they decided no. They decided to keep up the fiction that Colin Kaepernick is somehow this ghost, this disappeared force that they'll be able to use in the future as a way to uh, pressure outspoken players, particularly outspoken black players, to get in line 
and shut their mouths, I think that was the the consideration there is that they still see value in Colin Kaepernick as a ghost story to haunt players of the present and the future. So they decided not to mention him. Now the flip side is that there's pressure now coming from the players saying, no, you have to talk about Colin Kaepernick. He does need to be part of this conversation. And until he's employed, we're not going to think that the NFL is serious. So you've got that dynamic flowing right now from players like Malcolm Jenkins, who's had disagreements with Colin Kaepernick about the way forward. And I think that's incredibly significant. Yeah, definitely. I thought that was very powerful. Um, Speaking of Kaepernick, do you think that he will receive any offers now, um, given this quote-unquote admission, um, for instance, playing or ever even heard suggestions of front office roles in the NFL to help them um, you know, attack or address some of these issues? You know, What do you think Colin Kaepernick's future with the NFL is, if any at all? I don't think that Colin Kaepernick has a future with the NFL. Like a lot of folks, I had the scent of hope uh, for a moment, but I mean, the fact that not one NFL franchise owner has come forward to endorse what Roger Goodell had to say speaks ominously about the possibilities for Colin Kaepernick's future. Mm-hmm. Um, but you never know, because, you know, it really does only take one. I think the, <clears throat> excuse me, I think there are two variables that make it complicated, though. Uh, the first variable is that, uh, it, I mean, it, it, it is complicated. The first variable is that I don't think Colin Kaepernick is going to take just any job. You know, like, because that would be, in a lot of ways, bailing the NFL out if he takes some backup job on, a, on like, the Tennessee Titans or something like that. You know, it's like Colin Kaepernick believes that he's a starting quarterback in the National Football League and that he should, at any team he goes to, he should have the opportunity to compete for a starting spot. So that's something, like, he's not just going to take any offer, no way, no how. And the second thing is I don't think Colin Kaepernick has any desire to bail out the NFL, like taking some tokenistic position in the NFL offices or anything like that. That's not what he wants to do. That's not his politics, and that's not in his future, I don't think, in any way, shape, or form. If I'm wrong, I would be uh, truly surprised about that. So I'm not very hopeful about Colin Kaepernick finding work, but at the same time, it really does just take one NFL franchise owners to have the courage to step forward. But right now, we're not even seeing them step forward enough to support uh, Roger Goodell's statement, let alone sign Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, so the owners, they obviously play a huge role in this. So with regard to Colin Kaepernick, um, the NFL, the owners, um, and the owners, they've been getting a lot of the blame for um, blocking Kaepernick. But there's also some people that argue that um, the players, too, were to blame as well. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think players played a role in this at all? Uh, a role in the blackballing of Colin Kaepernick? Yeah. No, I don't think you can blame the players at all. I mean, too many high-profile players have come forward, like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, you know, to not, you know, coincidentally white players, to say that Colin Kaepernick deserves a place on an NFL roster. So, I mean, I mean, I think the players are very powerless in the National Football League. The idea that, you know, if players could make sure that other players were not on rosters, Richie Incognito wouldn't have a job. Um, it, it's a problem that the NFL is not a player's league, quote-unquote, the way 
the NBA as a player's league. The NBA differs in that individual players can actually hold the influence to get somebody signed. I don't think the NFL and the players have that kind of influence, whether you want to chart that up to a weaker players' union, whether you want to chalk that up to the fact that they don't have guaranteed contracts, whether you want to chalk that up to the commissioner is much weaker than the commissioner in the NBA. And that's the other variable that I wanted to mention before, is that if there was a Colin Kaepernick-type player uh, being blackballed from the NBA, Adam, Adam Silver, there's no doubt in my mind, to call a team owner and say, you need to sign this person. This is making the league look racist and backward and punitive. Uh, the, the NFL, Roger Goodell, just doesn't have that power. I mean, he can call these guys up, but he's not going to move them an inch. Mm-hmm. So dating back to uh, 2017, I think it was, or even before then, we know that President Trump, he played a significant role um, whenever the players took a knee. Uh, he essentially, I would argue, intimidated the owners and changed the narrative of what the kneeling stood for. So with the statement that Goodell has made and other comments that have you know come from players, what role do you think, if any, that 45 will play in this time around with the NFL? Well, he's already trying to play a role. Uh, he smacked back at Roger Goodell's uh, videotape statement uh, at the intimation that the, that the NFL would support protesting players. Uh, he's always used the NFL as a kind of cultural football, uh, as a way to divide the country. Uh, he's always seen that as smart politics, and he has his own petty resentments against the NFL because they denied him a seat at the table when he tried to buy the Buffalo Bills. And that's always funny to me because so many owners have given money to Donald Trump in his re-election and Donald Trump's original election in 2016. And it just, it's so funny to me, like their, um, their, their cravenness because Donald Trump was not good enough to be part of their club amongst the NFL ownership fraternity, but he somehow is good enough to be president of the United States. Yeah. Just says something about what they care for and what they don't care for. Sure. So how do you think the NFL and, because um, a lot of the fan base, uh, if you think about it, it's very different from the NBA in terms of their market. Um, how do you think the NFL will handle him this time around, given that their fan base does come from a lot of Trump's fan base, I guess, so to speak? Well, um, I think they're going to fall in line. Maybe Goodell won't fall in line because they need somebody to be out front and be the face of sort of a forward-looking progressive league because that's the only way they're going to appeal to younger fans who tend to be much more progressive than their parents and grandparents um, on these issues. But, I mean, at the end of the day, so many of these franchise owners have written checks to Donald Trump that I think he's still going to wield considerable influence going forward. Unless, of course, his popularity numbers continue to crater, which they absolutely should, given the horrific mishandling of the coronavirus pandemic and the way he has inflamed racism in this country. Sure. So <clears throat> going back to that video um, that the players put out, um, I've read, and I'm not sure of the uh, truth, truthfulness to this, but I read that Mahomes played a, a large role in the NFL uh, making a statement, you know, thinking, oh, well, if Mahomes is in it, him being like the face of the league, we have to say something. Do you think this will result in a larger power grab at all for the players? Like, will it make them realize the power that they do have? Uh, I think it's possible. Um, anything's possible, man. I mean, I mean, things that I thought wouldn't be possible a week ago are possible today. 
uh, things are moving very fast. Uh, and NFL players do have a lot of power, and they have been reticent to exercise that power because of the power dynamics in the league that we've already discussed. Um, but And quarterbacks, historically in the NFL, have tended to be more conservative than their teammates because they do have more job security and make more money, even have their own coaches. They're just, you know, not part of the general locker room culture with, with some exceptions. Uh, so I, I'm not entirely hopeful that the players will, will go out of their way to seek power, but I am hopeful that I could be wrong. Yeah. Because there, there is there there are so many differences now compared to even a short time ago, and I think play, this is the way sports activism has always worked. Um, players tend to reflect what's happening in the streets, and the more people demonstrate, the more people make their voices heard, the more confidence players are going to have. Mm-hmm. So speaking of quarterbacks, you know, thinking of uh, somebody like a Tom Brady or a Drew Brees who. Um, garnered a lot of attention um, over the course of the last week. Um, you recently wrote an article titled "It's Time for White NFL Players to Take the Take the Knee." Could you explain why you think this is so important for the movement? I think it's important because taking the knee is an unmistakable gesture. I mean, I think putting your hand on somebody's shoulder or even raising a fist—I mean, that's one thing. Because you're still standing at attention for the anthem. It's not to me at this point in time in 2020 a symbol of protest to do something like that or to link arms with your teammates uh, but to take a knee is an absolutely unmistakable gesture at this time in our history and to have a player take a knee right now uh, it's going to be very significant um, because that movement was petering out by the end of last year mm-hmm. and several high profile black players have said they were going to they're going to take a knee this fall no matter what and so and they're going to get a lot of backlash and have white players do the same it'll show that a lot of the you know anti-racist rhetoric or instagram postings that we've seen from white athletes isn't just you know a form of woke branding or a form of performative anti-racism but what will actually serve a function if they take a knee most importantly that they'll take the weight off the backs of their teammates and that's very important most definitely so i've also heard there's uh, well at least it's been written that the nfl should um, discontinue playing the national anthem so i guess the first question is do you think they should stop playing the national anthem and second if they do um, how, if at all, should the players go about protesting? Uh, yeah, they should absolutely uh, discontinue playing the national anthem before sporting events. I don't think they are going to, though. Mm-hmm. So it, it's an extreme hypothetical. Because, But whether or not the players are out of the locker room for the playing of the national anthem is another thing altogether. Because that's the way it was uh, before, I believe, 2008, when the league entered into this post-9-11 partnership with the Department of Defense. Uh, Before that, it was more common for players to be in the locker room while the anthem played, and then they would do player introductions after that. Um, So, of course, I don't think there's any reason to have hyper-nationalism before sporting events. There's no reason for it. We're one of the few countries that does it. So I'd say get the the national anthem out of there. Uh, I don't think they're going to take my advice, though. Um, and, if, and if they do happen to 
of the national anthem. There are a lot of ways that players can continue to protest. I've been heartened by the number of players that we've seen in the streets uh, over these last couple of weeks. And so that there are many ways to make your voices heard, and hopefully uh, players will continue to have their voices be heard. But taking a knee, being part of that kind of symbolic resistance, I mean, that gives people hope. You know, that gives people a sense of like, yeah, we're really hitting it. Um, we're really hitting it on all cylinders. We're even making an impact in the NFL. Um, you know, the spirit of Kaepernick is alive and well. I mean, those kinds of things matter to movements. Movements aren't just built on sweat equity in the streets. You know, they're built on seeing ramifications and reflections in the broader culture. Mm-hmm. You need both. You need the movement in the streets and you need the reflections in the culture to keep people's spirits high. And right now, I think the NFL is probably the largest cultural megaphone we have in this country, the closest thing we have to a national religion in this country. So let's please see uh, that kind of reflection in the National Football League because it'll do nothing but help the movement. For sure. So having grown up in Dallas and being sometimes seemingly a Cowboys fan, I'm interested in how Jerry Jones, how he'll you know deal with potential player protests. In your opinion, how do you think he will deal with this? Because last time around, you know, he did that kind of pseudo fake, you know, take a knee or locking arms, and it just it just didn't look authentic. So, do you but think he's also released players who've done uh, anthem protests as well? Yeah, so... and he's a million dollar Trump donor, and he's on Trump's committee to uh, reopen sports. That that BS committee that was only made up of white billionaires. <laughs> um, And so I'm not very hopeful that Jerry Jones is going to do anything unless he's feeling profound pressure uh, from the streets and from his team. Uh, Absence of that pressure, I think Jerry Jones will be Jerry Jones and give no quarter to any of this. Do you think his players will protest? Um, I think right now, like I said, everything's on the table. Ezekiel Elliott was part of that video that we discussed earlier. That's arguably the the most or second most high-profile player on that team. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if a player like that takes a knee, he can't just be re- released the way a reserve defensive lineman, I believe it was, was released when he raised a fist during the anthem. Yeah. So I, I, I think we're going to have to wait and see. But certainly, um, you know, keep your eye on Zeke would be what I would say. You know, last couple questions, um, kind of changing gears a bit. So we know the NFL, they have a problem with, you know, people of color, um, black um, coaches, GMs, and owners in particular, what do you think can be done to kind of rectify or fix this dilemma? Um, I think the NFL has to get far more punitive with teams that don't um, actively try to seek out black coaching talent. Um, I think there needs to be a Rooney rule for uh, top coordinator positions, particularly offensive coordinator. Um, and I think the league needs to just show that it's taking this more seriously because right now it's not. Yeah. And saying that, what do you think in, in closing, what's next for the NFL? Do you think we'll ever see change in your opinion um, regarding um, the climate we see today in terms of like, you know, player power, uh, coach it, black coaches, black GMs, black owners. Are you are you hopeful? I'm very hopeful. I think it's 
but I just don't know what direction it's going to take. But I think we have hit a new day in the best possible way. We have hit a new day. And players are reflecting that new day every day. Uh, this is a league that has not been friendly to protest, to put it mildly. This is a league that believes in collusion against players who dare speak their minds. And yet that's not stopping players right now, even though the typical career is only three years. And even though they know this is a league that could be uh, incredibly punitive when it comes to people speaking out. So I think people need to see this moment as a moment ripe with possibility and a moment where anything can happen. Cool. Well, I appreciate it, Dave. Could you tell the listeners where they can find some of your work, where they can follow you on social media, things like that? Yeah, absolutely. You can follow my work um, at edgeofsports.com, on Twitter, at edgeofsports, and all my latest columns are always up at The Nation magazine, thenation.com. Always love hearing from Dave. So insightful, direct, and willing to have a conversation. So I initially reached out to Dave in 2016 when much of their current racial justice discussion started. He quickly responded, and that conversation resulted in a paper published in the organization, which is a peer-reviewed journal, whose principal aim is to foster dialogue and innovation and studies of organizations. Shout out to my co-authors on that paper, brother Dr. John N. Singer, who is my PhD advisor at Texas A&M, and also Dr. Anthony Weems, who's a former PhD student of Dr. Singer as well. You can follow them uh, both on Twitter at John Nathaniel S2 and at A-N-T underscore F-O-R underscore the underscore W, respectively. Anyhow, thanks again, Dave. Keep on fighting the good fight. For the rest of you, thanks for listening to the initial episode of Inflection Point of Dr. Kwame Ajiman. We have more amazing guests lined up for season one, and I'm excited to share and learn with you. You've been listening to Inflection Point. I hope you enjoyed this episode's conversation. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast to gather more insight into Inflection Points. Also, leave us a review. It helps. Inflection Point is a production of 68th Street, a design and strategy consultancy helping people and organizations advance racial equity in the workplace and society. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at 68th Street and at our website to learn more about our work. I'm Dr. Kwame Ajaman. Until next time.